0: Welcome to another Art of Relationships podcast. We are grateful for listeners like you. Let's get right into it. All right. Well, it's really good to be here with you again today. Um, so Tim, uh, one of the things on that we've been doing on this podcast is talking about things that have impacted us, uh, that have stuck with us when it comes to relationships. Uh, it could be Maybe a theme from a book or a movie or a quote. You know, it could be something like that out in culture that we can recommend to others to maybe read. Um, and and it was really fun to do that. I, I think we should let's do it again. What do oh, you think? Would be great. we Would love to do it. So, uh, Tim, when you think about uh, relationships and, and you've, you've not only written a number of books, you've, you've read a lot of books, you've assigned a lot of books, uh, some of these have stood out to you. Uh, which one for you is
1: something that you're like, gosh, this book, you know, there was something about it that grabbed me. Do you have one? Yeah, it's been kind of fun. This whole annoying we were going to do, like part two of what we did before, where we mentioned a Gottman book, uh, Why Marriages Succeed, Why They Fail, and uh, Brothers... No, not Brothers Karamazov. Crime and Punishment. Right. Dostoevsky. It's been fun just thinking all day about which Milhoff book you're going to pick first. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just waiting on pins and needles. I'm sure our listeners are, are waiting as well. So I, I'm going to pick a book. Um, it, it's kind of a technical book, but it, it, again, it's one. It's from Oxford University Press. It's just one of these books. They say some things, and you just go, okay, I, I. I haven't stopped thinking about that. The book is called Families and Faith, How Religion is Passed Down Across Generations. Uh, Vern Bengston Hmm. is one of the authors. You know him, Chris? No, I don't. Oh, okay. Um, So he came to Biola. This is how I was aware of the book, Chris. He came and did a chapel. And here's what he said in the chapel that literally caused uh, tidal waves across campus. Here's what he said. And again, let me just say real quick, all of us who have kids and we're people of faith, uh, this is what keeps us up at night. Th- this is the topic right here is I want my kids to obviously embrace our faith. I want them to walk in faith. I want them to be followers of Jesus in their 20s. Uh, we all want that. And it just scares us to death to think that maybe some of our kids. And by the way, if that's you, one of your kids is not walking with the Lord. Well, okay. Again, this is where we like to dispel these um what we call attacks of Satan that like you're the only godly committed Christian parents who has a child not walking with the Lord that is just not true right. we know many situations and all of us fear that and it's not the sun's going to come up tomorrow if that's true and God is relentless he's not going to stop pursuing and things like that We, we boy, that'd be good to do an episode on that Chris yeah the great pursuer or the hound of heaven yeah. he's called because he yeah. never gives up Right. All right. So here's what he said that absolutely caused a tsunami. Okay. He said this. So when we're talking about the transmission of faith, that your child is now an adult walking in the faith, here is um, the priorities. Here here are the the, um, key influencers. Okay. Third on the list, moms. Second on the list, grandparents. First on the list, dad. Mm. Okay. Now. there, uh, uh, Noreen was at this chapel because she helps run chapels here at Bible University. And, uh, I, uh, and I heard it as well. And she, she just said, well, I'm going to go take a nap because apparently nothing I do matters. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm going to take a nap because the whole world's on my shoulders, right? <laughs> so, so what did he mean by that? So everybody was buzzing, right? Everybody's buzzing like, wow, right? So this is what he said. Moms get discounted because it's expected of them. Like when mom's a virtuous person, when mom is a follower of Jesus, when mom attends church, the kids are just like, well, that's mom. Mom's just got a pure heart, man. She's just, mom's just awesome, right? Um, Dad doesn't get that from the kids. So when dad makes a decision to go to church, it's like, oh, dad is intentionally going to church, and he said if that is augmented by the grandparents, mm-hmm. if the grandparents are saying the same thing that the dad is saying, like, hey, you make time for church, religion is important, God is important, he said mm-hmm. that's really powerful. So he said the single greatest deterrent to your kids walk, and again, dads, I, I hate to say it, but we're, this is us, mm-hmm. is a distant, cold father yeah. who does not go to church. Mm-hmm. Is, is probably the greatest hindrance to kids embracing that faith. Chris, what do you think? Well,
0: I, yeah, I, I do find um, this experientially, Tim, that is in seeing relationships that have been, I've been a part of and watching people. I can tell you that his quote and idea resonates mm. quite a bit. Mm. I, and, and I, I love how you said that we almost give moms, it's not because, you know, they're rated so low in in, in love and kindness and impact. It's just when it comes to our spiritual life and our own walking with Christ, what he's saying, I think, is that there's somebody who plays a very powerful role and it's that father figure. So, Tim, what do you do when you're growing up this way and you don't have that father figure. And yet, you know, uh, you trying to figure out how do I do this? You know, I'm going to have kids one day and and yet I didn't have that. So what do you say? And it's
1: probably something just to go, I've got to remember that quote. (laughs) So I would say it's not, so I w I wouldn't say to dads, it's not what you say. It's what you do. Because for sure, that's true. But Mm -hmm. he's saying, no, 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 it's also what you say. Listen to this this quote, Chris. Particularly important, according to our data, is the role of father's warmth. Mm -hmm. Parental piety, religious role modeling, setting a good example, will not compensate for a distant dad. Yeah. So there has to be that warmth. Yeah. And I remember a psychologist saying to me once that um, God has hardwired kids to their parents, and particularly, uh, he said, dads. Um, so I need, to, I need to have warmth towards my kids and not just this always calling them up to a higher, which is important. Of course you wanna call kids up to a higher standard. But there's gotta be this feeling that my dad cares about me. Mm -hmm. He's not just interested in setting a good example nor getting me to carry on the faith. They did this great study, Tim. It, it, it's so interesting, and, and in which they had people evaluate
0: whether they liked another person uh, that they had not yet met and they were about to meet. And they gave them all the same five qualities that you know, they talked about. They, that, you know, they, they were punctual. They were disciplined. They were kind. Mm. Or no, I'm sorry. Yeah, they, they were uh, generous, uh, kind. But the fifth variable, uh, one was given warm they were warm mm. the other one was given they are cold and so they all had the same characteristics except for one word changed and people would automatically now going to this relationship to talk to somebody did not like the cold person from the and and, and then Perceive them as much more colder as mm, well, mm, and they mm. would say, "I just didn't. I don't have good feelings about it." In fact, they would less likely to hire that person just by that one variable. So, so in other words, you're getting down to a very cardinal trait: warmth. So, yeah. Tim, how? What do you do in a, in, as a father? How do you create warmth? I guess what you do is you come alongside your kids, and m- maybe there's a, a sense of acceptance, or well, as maybe Gottman would say this bid for attention. You listen to a kid, you receive them, you take them in, you you talk with them yeah. and they find that you're safe. It, there's a, the word safe and secure
1: and warm are all together. So I'm going to, yeah. And I have one last quote that absolutely touches on that for prodigals, for people who have walked away from the faith. And he mentions three characteristics that he has found really wins people back into the faith. But you turned me onto something. I think it's Daniel Goldman, uh, uh emotional contagion, yeah. which means, now th- this is where it gets bad, but then it gets yeah. better. It gets bad because guess what? If you really don't have warmth t- towards a person, you can't fake it. Yeah. That that person, right? we talked about the high road, the low road, they actually intuit how you actually feel about them. Mm-hmm. So I guess what we're saying, Chris, is, is hey, and again, we're not trying to guilt people. If you, all of us go through seasons where we have a hard time with a person, and that can even be your child. Well, you take that to the Lord. You say, Lord, I'm really upset. And by the way, you might have a great reason to be upset at your child, what that child has done, mm-hmm. a betrayal of trust or something like that. Um, but then, man, take that to the Lord and say, I'm really struggling with my spouse or my kids right now. And then, uh, then he says this, Chris, I thought this was such hopeful news for parents who have uh, prodigals. He said, in addition, we found that the most successful parents in religious transmission were three qualities for children who choose to walk away from the faith or even choose a different faith, so like they convert to something else. Here they are, this is not earth shattering. Love, respect, and patience. Mm. Those three qualities, like we're not yeah. withholding our love, yeah. even though what you're doing is breaking our heart. Uh, We're going to be respectful of you. Like you're an adult. I'm not, I'm not, it's not anymore for me to tell you, you got to go to church, but the patience part I'm Mm -hmm. sure is trying because we all want to see the kids come back.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because, Tim, when they evaluated who are the best, um, most loved counselors of these children and kids that had actually been taken out of the home, they're now living as in, in this home, a group of 50. And I'm a counselor there, right? 50 behaviorally disturbed boys. Mm. And th- th- what would happen is... They would be asked, who has impacted you during your time? So they're about ready to get out and graduate. Many of them have, have kind, of, kind of pulled their life together. They said, w- what qualities of the other person? Tim, what you just listed there was almost to a T what they would say that kind of counselor and the one mm. that, that mm. held fast to, their, to the rules in a way that was, it, it was uh, a discipline that they said was consistent. That is, they knew that they would also be told, "You can if you do this, this is what's going to happen. And they did it with love, right? It was the counselors, though, that were really easy and, and like, oh, don't worry about it. Oh, okay, I'm not, you're out of your room and you're doing something illegal. Mm-hmm. Just go back and I'm mm-hmm. going to forget it. Because they wanted to be liked mm-hmm. and they wanted to be liked by these kids. And so they would kind of give in to them and, and, and be their friends. Mm-hmm. And those were less respected than wow. the ones who held wow. strong. and yet did it with a kindness and a love. So I think that's really interesting. As parents, if we can still hold those qualities, Tim, and say, you know, here is also what I need you to do, as far as, let's say, you know, if they're doing something illegal, you know, or something that they're they're not supposed to be doing, they hold steadfast to that in a kind way.
1: So let's make this a little controversial. Let's say one of your kids comes home and says, like many couples in the United States, hey, uh... Me and my girlfriend were moving in together. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get married. We're we're moving in, and in fact, she already has moved in. Right. Okay. As a Christian parent, you want to go to DEFCON one yeah. and say, "Hey, a, we didn't raise you that way. B, you know what the scriptures say about it, right? And doggone it, we're not going to be, we're not going to be condoning this. I mean, I get that. There's part of me that wants to kick into that mode in a heartbeat, right? Right. But then if you go back to what the study says is, okay, love, hey, yeah, mom and dad are disappointed. I I like what you say, Chris. There's no reason I can't tell my son that. Mm -hmm. There's no reason I can't say, yeah, we're disappointed. You know what mom and I believe. But listen, we respect the fact that you're an adult. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you didn't ask our permission, and we're going to respect your decision to move in together, and we're going to be patient. Right, we're gonna. The Holy Spirit has not stopped working in the heart of your child. Yeah, that patience part's gonna be hard. I, you know what I mean. But you got to do it, or what? You're gonna read the Riot Act one more time. And it's like that. That's just not gonna work. No, it's not gonna work. You're gonna drive them away.
0: I, I Tim, I think that's where it, patience is called into. Um, and and by the way, in, in a previous podcast we were talking about not doing this alone and feeling, fearing that you're the only one who has a kid like this or, yeah, you yeah. know, there are there are so many who are struggling, for example, with, with maybe even that exact situation sure. and to know you're not alone. Yeah, and I, I think, Tim... That that demonstrates and models what Jesus did. Jesus didn't reject the woman at the well. Mm-mm. He 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 came in and he talked with her and he treated her with kindness and love and respect. And in d- so
1: doing, he, you know, he brought the whole entire community to walk with him just by that one model. And what an interesting moniker, the friend of sinners. Yeah, that's amazing. Isn't that amazing, Jesus? That it's like, hey, we're fr- we're still friends. You're my son. I love you. And what you're doing, you know what I think of it. Come on, you know what I think. But listen, we love you guys. We love you as a couple. Yeah, we're we're still having you over, right? We're 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 not going to shut you out on Thanksgiving Day. You need to come watch the Detroit Lions lose (laughs) with your new quarterback Jeff Goff, though. (laughs) Come on, baby. His name is Jared, by the way. Jared Goff? Is (laughs) it? Yeah, but it doesn't matter. That's why he's not returning my calls. (laughs) All right, Chris, you, you're up, baby. Yeah. You got one more thing. Yeah, book-wise. Uh, but by the way, Tim, I, I think that's amazing. And
0: you brought up, you know, Daniel Goleman's social intelligence book, and, and he talks a lot about emotional road, high and low roads. I, I would recommend, and and we've recommended this to our students to read, it, it, it's a, maybe a book, I, I don't know, maybe it's 10, 15 years old, called Social Intelligence. He's written other ones like Emotional Intelligence. And I think, Tim, that if you read it, you will get at those subtitles that were earlier discussed, those subtexts, those and, and emotional contagions, mm-hmm. and, and what your kid picks up from you, what your spouse picks up from you. You know that podcast host. Yeah, what's that podcast host? <laughs> what they pick up from each other, <laughs> and being rudely interrupted is is, <laughs> is more about the rudeness. No, not really. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I would I would recommend that book highly for anybody that wants to improve their understanding of how their own, you know, relationships are. But but what's going on at that level, the high road and the low road. So that's really good. But I think the other book (laughs) that I love so much that it, it, it gives me, I don't know, it's just something I go back to and read a lot. Well, there are a lot of books like that, and I'm not going to uh, talk about this one. But there's a book called *The Keeper of the Bees* by Jean Stratton, uh, and I think her last name is Porter. Stratton Porter. Gene. G E N E. It's called *The Keeper of the Bees*. I've probably read it like now. I don't know, maybe six times, just because it's just such a good book. It's it's a novel. It's it's just a novel of. Is it in Russian? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> It does happen right after the war, huh? and a man that's wounded. And what happens, Tim? I, I think the the why I, the reason I love this book, "The Keeper of the Bees," is a man that is is at the very end. He's going to die, and he knows that from his wounds. And he goes in, and when he um, finds himself in in the worst possible moment, he gives aid to a man that has a heart attack, and that man eventually befriends him, ends up. Giving him his home to stay in and to keep while he's in the hospital with the heart attack. And this soldier, uh, Tim, starts to recover because of the relationship of a child that lives down the block mm. that continues to come to his home and visit him. And this child uh, named Scout just keeps coming over. And eventually the relationship, the heart, the way they viewed life, the way way this child views death, uh, God, uh, people, begins to do something magical almost, we would say spiritual, in the life of this person. Mm. So the Keeper of the Beast, Tim, if, if you want a story of how a relationship with another person can transform somebody simply because through the childlike faith and the eyes of a child, mm. um, it begins to work not just on his spiritual heart, uh, but also physically. And it is an amazingly good story. She wrote back in the early 1920s, was killed tragically in a car accident, mm. um, just as her book, The Keeper of the Bees and others, were becoming very you know famous. And... Um, I, I would say if, you, if you're interested in, in, in what does it mean to have a childlike faith and, and to reach out and to have good healthy relationships, um, also the trauma of bad choices, uh, yeah. are made. Yeah. And so yeah. they, they, it's a tragic story for us, uh, uh, you know, some of the characters and then just a powerful redeeming one for others. Great, great little book, The Keeper of the Bees.
1: And made into a movie. Yeah. And I
0: don't. 1935. i You're right, Tim. I've never seen it. And I wonder, um, because that's back when she was very popular and,
1: um, uh, so again, it's Jean Stratton Porter, I believe, and it's a good book. So, and, and remember what Paul says, Paul. And boy, these are these are good words for us today. Evil can be overcome with goodness. Oh yeah. And I think sometimes we don't believe that that's true, and so the childlike love, faith, affection has a way of getting through to people.
0: And and you know what it was, Tim. Too, it was because we've been talking a little bit here about people like Goldman and others that talk about these subtexts and emotional contagions, it's the, the, the on the best, on the good side when you feel loved and accepted by somebody mm. else mm-hmm. uh, all of a sudden you change you, you're like, oh my gosh, I have worth, I, I feel value because you loved me. You cared for me in, in this state when I didn't feel that myself. And the powerful transformation that can occur in a person just because they're loved by somebody. And that subtext says, I like you. I love you. I accept you.
1: All right. So I'm going to tell the story. I think I think I have told this once before in a podcast, but this to me is is what you're saying. So there's a guy named Brian. He's the head of the Family Life Speaker Team. Uh, Chris, the Graces and the Mielhoffs are on the uh, Family Life Speaker Team for Family Life Ministries, he tells this story that's amazing. There were like these five guys who did life together, and they all were single, and then one by one, they all get married, except one lone holdout. He does not get married. And uh, so finally, word gets out that he is, in fact, getting married. And so they meet her, and uh, he introduces her this way. This is the most beautiful woman in the world. Just so happens this my fiance." Now, you can imagine all the married guys going, oh, come on. Uh, Well, then they, they don't get together for years, and years, and years, and years. Now, everybody has kids, okay? They have this big reunion, Brian's there, and he said, he walks up to one of the kids, and the kid says, hey, I want you to meet the most beautiful woman in the world, just so happens it's my mom, Mm -hmm. and it's the same woman. Mm -hmm. Chris, two things, one, I grabbed my kids immediately and said, (laughs) what is wrong with you? When your mom walks in the room, you need to say the most beautiful woman in the, second, what do you think her self-image was like, hearing that narrative from her fiance, husband, all of our kids? Mm -hmm. Life and death is in the power of the tongue, we host part of the Center of Marriage and Relationships we host uh, events for domestic violence shelters mm-hmm. where women get the opposite narrative. Mm-hmm. And we, so here at the center, we see the life and the death being spoken. And Tim, one of the things you do in that ministry for the center is
0: uh, work with these women and, and you change that narrative
1: by, by, tell us just real quickly. Well, man, it's been, uh, this is community. We're back to community one more time is sometimes women buy the narrative. They are useless. Uh, One time, Chris, I had women write down on uh, note cards what has been said to them. Chris is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I I cannot believe these things have been said. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you counteract that narrative? The only way is the community. Mm -hmm. So Donna, who's going to be on our podcast when we do Sexual Violence Awareness Month, um, she makes people go around in a circle and say, I want you to say something positive about this person, Mm -hmm. even if the person can't receive it. Mm That that counter narrative, that's back to Gottman's five to one ratio, by mm-hmm. the way, five positives mm-hmm. for every negative. So, yeah, it's so cool what the center does. We we, we really believe that we're called to uh, not just healthy marriages, marriages that are struggling, but marriages that are in abusive situations. Mm. And we need to step into that because James said true religion is really caring for these orphans and widows in distress. And these mm-hmm. women are in distress. And so mm-hmm. we're committed to this wonderful thing called Valentine's day for everyone. Local uh, grocery chains are getting involved. They're giving bouquets of roses, chocolates, gift cards. We had masseuses at the last one pre COVID. So we'll tell you more about this when the time comes, but check out our website. Cause it's a really cool event. Mm-hmm. And uh, just really
0: well done event that that does to bring a, a lot of people that are in distress and in difficult relationships gives them hope. And, and there's something about it that brings life back to them, even in the worst situations. And just I just love the way you're doing that and taking a lead with that.
1: And listen, here's the we, we see America often divided. We see this in the headlines. We just went through a contentious election. But we go up to local grocery chains, Chris. Um, like like Albertsons, Trader Joe's, they don't even blink, and they say, "What do you need? How, how much do you need? How many bouquets?" And Chris, we're talking bouquets, we're talking Miss Universe bouquets. Mm-hmm. They won't even fit in our minivan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, we got fifty bouquets. It, you can't even fit them all. It's mm-hmm. so. It, and 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 then my students write handwritten notes to each one of these women, putting Bible verses. Um, it, it, so we, we see a lot of the hard things about community, but man, there are really good people out there mm-hmm. who will step up in a heartbeat. And that's really cool to see mm-hmm. that this is a, now become, this will be our third annual. This mm-hmm. is a community effort and it's really cool to see. Well, it is.
0: And it just shows you the power uh, Tim, like you said, power of words and the tongue and <clears throat> that which is communicated, not even by words, but just by our actions, oh, whether yeah. it's through fathers going to church, right? Yep. Whether it's through showing that you love somebody and, it, and it's a, a way in which they sense that and pick it up almost like a contagion, an emotional contagion. And then countering hard times by just simply coming up with something to encourage another person um by uh, loving them like in the keeper of the bees the way this person loved another person
1: through a childlike faith it was awesome hey so let's do this segment again in the future sometime we just mentioned books and stuff and um that just have left an imprint on us that yeah yeah and even movies there are some that are just so powerful there are yep
0: hey that was fun tim uh and y'all listeners, again, uh, go to our website, check it out. We've got so much there for you, and you all know where it's at: cmrbiola.edu. And we're just grateful for all y'all that listen, and you've been listening for a long time. Write in and, and send us, you know, notes. Um, we, we'd love to and questions. Uh, we do love to answer, and and uh, there's a lot of cool things you can take advantage of there. So, all right, good talking with you,
1: Tim. I'm gonna go get uh, Keeper of the Bees. You're gonna go <laughs> read it. <laughs> go. All right.
0: Thanks for listening to The Art of Relationships. This podcast is only made possible through generous donations from listeners just like you. If you like it and want to help keep the podcast going, visit our website at cmr.biola.edu and make a donation today.